Welcome to Prajna Spark's Contemplation Interlude, where Yeshe and Zopa answer listener questions and discuss the previous full episode. Please take a moment to like, follow, and review us. This is the best possible offering as it helps us reach new listeners. So now we will have a little Dharma discussion, the topic of which is meditative inquiry. Chegom, which literally means analysis meditation, and which we are translating as meditative inquiry. So sometimes it's called analysis meditation or analytical meditation. And this is in conjunction with Jogom, which is resting meditation, part of what we translate uh, meditative inquiry. So this alternation between analysis, investigation in the meditation, and then when you get to a point where you have some sense of clarity. So sometimes this is a very big experience of being very clear, like, oh, yes, I know I'm going to die, or yes, there's certainty in karma, or whatever it is that you're contemplating. In that experience, you recognize that you're having that experience, and you stop the analysis, you stop thinking, you stop investigating, and you just focus one pointedly on the experience of certainty in whatever form it's taking freshly in that moment. And that's the resting meditation, and you stay in that for however long it lasts. It may last for a fraction of a second, it may last for two seconds, 20 seconds, whatever it is. You don't try to extend it or or force it to go any longer or run away from it. You just are very present in the same way that you're present during shamatha, tranquility meditation not trying to prolong it or or make it short anything like that you're just being with it and then when it fades as it naturally will then you return back to the investigation this is usually really weird for people when they first hear it because it's an unusual way of thinking of meditation it's part of the approach of listening contemplating and meditating that's very common in Tibetan Buddhist scholarly practice, but actually goes back to teachings of the Buddha that have an even more broad context than that listening, contemplating, and meditating. So I'm just curious. Or perhaps it's crystal clear or somewhere in between. We can also just do a little experience of it to see how it feels. This really is the way that the path progresses is we get some instructions, we practice with it, we examine it for ourselves, we compare it with our own experience, and there's either doubts that arise or moments of clarity or whatever it is, but it's bringing the Dharma into dialogue with our own experience. And naturally out of that, then either it'll get clearer for us or we'll have questions that are clarified. It's like, oh, I really don't know. I'm curious about this. And then we go back and we discuss with our Dharma friends, with our teachers, and, and so forth. So maybe we can do that for a moment right now. And of course, with meditative inquiry, we need to have a topic. We need to have something that we're examining. But so now, since this is a practice that we've been doing of the 12 deeds, praising the 12 deeds, which relates to devotion, which relates to faith, then perhaps let's just sit for a couple of minutes examining our own relation to devotion. And so I'm going to leave this a little broad 
whatever it comes up for you when you think of faith, when you think of devotion, and just allow open, kind, curious space to engage with devotion, with faith, whatever that means to you, and see what comes up. Again, it's meditation because we're not allowing our, our thoughts to just carry us away to a spot where we're not really aware or conscious of what's going on, where it just spins out, right? We're keeping it contained in the sphere of, of the meditation, of clarity, of one-pointed attention. But we are allowing our own experience to rise up and meet this topic of devotion. And then if there's any moments of clarity, even if the clarity is just, wow, I really don't know what I feel about this, or I don't know what I'm investigating, or any of that, that is a clear knowing of your own experience. And you can rest one pointedly in that until it fades, and then return back to the analysis. So let's just practice like that for just a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back to discuss.
So what was that like? Did you reach any clarity? Did you feel lost? Did you feel certain like, oh, I know what devotion is and I'm 100% on board? Did you feel like, oh, this devotion stuff, I really don't like it? Did you feel afraid? Did you feel uncertain? There's absolutely nothing that's like off limits, especially when we're doing meditative inquiry. It really is, it's about our experience. So there's no wrong answer. We're just exploring our own experience in relation to what the Dharma says. It can point out to us places where we don't know what's going on, where we don't know what the Dharma says, where before we had assumed, oh yeah, I know what devotion is, I know what faith is, but really what does it mean? So that's just one possible thing that can happen uh, while we're exploring. I experienced a lot of those things that you were saying, a lot of, uh, lots of layers of confusion. Sometimes it's like being under the ocean of water and there are all these layers and how would you ever possibly see out? And then there's also a sense of, it seems to me that the sense of devotion, it comes up in terms of wanting to know the true nature, like what is the reality, you know, that's, and wishing I could hold that focus, you know, a lot of the time and not seeing how I get uh, distracted about, by a lot of things. And there's, of course, a sense of fear in terms of being scared that somebody's going to pull the wool over your eyes or, you know, like it requires an awful lot of trust. But then it feels better because, you know, as the Dharma says, you are your, the one witness. You're the last witness. So it's up to you. So you just have to trust what you think. But then you can spin out on that one, too. So it goes all over the place. <laughs> I, I love that analogy, Nancy, of feeling like you're underwater because... That's really what this practice can be like. And it's a wonderful description for being in the ocean of samsara and uh, having, having it be above our heads. As Lama Zopa mentioned, it's difficult to explain meditative inquiry because it's an experiential thing. No matter what words we use, it's never going to hit right for absolutely every single person. Once we try the practice, like we just did, even for a little bit, then we can start connecting our experience with the words a little better. But one way that might be helpful in understanding what this sense of clarity is, it's like, let's say you are underwater and you're flailing a bit, but every once in a while, your head comes up above water and you get a breath of air. Clarity has that quality to it. There's a somatic quality that kind of <gasps> oxygen, how wonderful. And then there's an emotional quality because it feels so good to have that. So that's also an important part of this practice, connecting with what that experience of clarity is for us. Because in the meditative inquiry is the third part of listening, contemplating, and meditating. There's already been stuff that's happened before then. And in the contemplating, there's a very similar quality of clear knowing. The Tibetan is neshe, to know with a definitive quality or certainty or clarity. In meditative inquiry, it's clarity, but it's an experiential clarity. It's not just understanding things intellectually. So it's like moving from your head to your heart. 
And there may be different emotional tones. Sometimes it's fear, as you say, or confusion or elation. Depends a lot on the topic or where we are with it. But there's usually an underlying sense, which you really gave a beautiful example for that sense of kind of drowning that also really shows the importance of the listening and contemplating. We kind of just surprised you with this topic. (laughs) So you didn't have the listening and the contemplating that normally goes ahead of it. And that kind of funnels the material for meditative inquiry so that it's not so all over the place. When we've listened and we've contemplated, it brings more structure so that it doesn't feel so out of hand. And I think one of the tricky parts for us as Westerners is we're really taught to study, but the study that we're trained in is very intellectual. We're rarely asked in academic settings, what's your experience of that like? And that's where the Buddhist contemplative technology is a little different. I really appreciated you sharing and and being vulnerable and opening up because it can feel a little bit unsettling to all of a sudden be connecting our own experience and our own sense of knowing with, with what the teachings are saying, with what we're exploring. To illustrate that a little bit more, like when you were talking about there's one of the experiential aspects that I heard you mention was the sense of the longing to know what reality is. So then what we can do in the meditative inquiry when, when that comes up and you're feeling it, right? You're feeling that longing to know the truth. So then what we would do is at that moment, when, when we're experiencing that longing, then we can stop the thinking and we can just rest one pointedly in that experience whatever it is, right? That, that feeling like, and like Yeshe was talking about that kind of that somatic sense, how it's feeling and just be in it for however long it lasts. Right. And then it fades away. It changes into something else. It drops away and that's fine. The other aspect that I heard you describe, Nancy, was the sense of almost like fear or like confusion. Like, what do I do? This is a really valuable training because I think it comes up for us quite often, but because then when that confusion comes up, then we can just, we can identify, we can be like, oh, I'm confused and rest one pointedly in that, right? The knowing that we're confused and that it's a little frightening, right? Or a little uncomfortable. We can just rest in that feeling and then it changes, it fades, right? And so there's like this broad allowance allowing of whatever our experience is, but we're also being very precisely, keenly aware of it, which is so beautiful because we often run away from it, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. And so part of what meditative inquiry is doing is it's allowing us to be with it and just to settle into it and be in that natural flow of how it does arise. And we pay attention to it. We're just sit with it. And then it it naturally fades and naturally changes into something else. And then we can go back to the investigation and be more in that flow of life, which is a really beautiful thing. I don't know if it's shyness, but I don't know that I have anything wise to say <laughs> in this particular meditation. Um, I guess I, I felt this pull and I didn't want it to be I'm like, is this attachment? But it's this pull to wanting to, to be 
in some ways I'm out of town. So I feel this pull like of going home, 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 what that is like Buddha nature, going home to Buddha nature. That's the pull of devotion, devotion to following whatever steps come in front of me. Just keep taking them to get closer to knowing what I really am. I have felt devotion to certain teachers. I don't know, because I have felt, well, maybe that's too much attachment. It's, do I really need to be devoted to is Buddha nature. That's, I know that's my job. I think that is very wise. What I'm hearing you say is, what is the difference between attachment and devotion? This is very important. We hear all the time nowadays about folks whose faith has been abused by people in positions that are normally privileged by devotion. That's not a relationship, a devotion. It's an abusive relationship. It's someone abusing faith. And so there's also that. There's also, well, what's the difference between devotion and being deluded or duped by somebody? The wool being pulled over our eyes that Nancy mentioned. That is extremely wise, especially when we're talking about devotion. Devotion is something that happens in the Vajrayana, Mahamudra, Sokchen practices. They're not necessary to the Mahayana practices. They're not necessary to foundational vehicle practices. We might feel it spontaneously, but the particular thing called devotion is something that is not only a part of those individual style of practices, but they're central. And so it's really important to be clear, well, I don't want to be attached because A, attachment's not good, and B, I'm still not feeling devotion. If it's actually attachment and I'm confusing it for devotion, I'm really setting myself up for some difficulty, and I'm still not accessing those qualities that devotion opens up for me. So what I'm hearing you say is I want to be clear about what this is, because otherwise, I'm going to stay where it feels safe and trustworthy. It should feel safe and trustworthy. This is a journey of discovery. And meditative inquiry is one of the fields where that discovery can really open up. Now, just real quickly, Deborah, I want to thank you for sharing your experience and highlight again a little bit how the different strands that I was hearing in your your experience as you are doing the meditative inquiry. When we're doing the meditative inquiry, we're doing it in meditation. Just like, like you mentioned, Deborah, there's the sense of like, I don't want my devotion to be attachment, right? And so then this calls up something for us. And then we're like, oh, how do, how do I know? How do I know what's devotion and what's attachment? That kind of like points us back again to the listening, to the studying, right? We sit down and we meditate, we're doing this meditative inquiry and we're like, oh, I have this question. During the meditation session, then we're like clear. We're like, oh, I need to clarify for myself the, the difference between attachment and devotion. Explore it further. What do the texts say? What do the teachers say? These kind of things. But while we're in that meditative inquiry, then we're like, oh, okay, I'm clear on this. So I'm not going to keep exploring and thinking if it's something where I feel like I need to get up and look at something, right? We're still in the, the meditative inquiry in the session. So then we're like, oh, okay, what is that experience in me, right? And you know your own experience. So then you can sit with that. You can sit with that, again, that somatic sense, that sense of, oh, there's a longing to know. There's a longing to be clear. 
or like like you described there then your mind goes to oh it's buddha nature buddha nature is the home i need to come to right and there again there's a sense there of like oh yeah this is true for me this is what devotion means for me so then you can stop the thinking and just rest one pointedly in that and when we're doing the meditative inquiry as we can see in these examples that nancy and deborah have brought up from their own experience this this happens multiple times it goes very quickly right in our own experience we have all these different experiences so whenever it comes up whenever we recognize that we can just stop the thinking and rest one pointedly in in the awareness of our experience until that fades and then there's something new there to work with to be with and so i just wanted to highlight this mm, this process that goes on in meditative inquiry, because sometimes we can hear, oh, when you get clarity, you rest one pointedly in it, and it can feel like, oh, clarity's a long way away, but it's not. It's very, it's very close to your own experience, right? And we have these glimpses of it all the time. And so part of the meditative inquiry is the training in just getting there, recognizing it, allowing it to be, resting one pointedly in it till it fades and then again uh, going continuing with the analysis so i just wanted to highlight that excuse my bad english but i was thinking uh, i was feeling that for me devotion is something similar to inspiring fate because i i had feel inspiring faith that made me gain or drive to confidence for example we to to feel or to uh, feel like tara or feel like terrific uh, uh, and the, the first time i feel very 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 big in inspiring faith was the, the first time i met, met the kempo carter rinpoche he gave me Racing and instruction. And when I saw Kimpari, I feel very close to all time. I was, I was in that time, I was working in KPD but as a volunteer. But I, I when I received this, like, uh, I don't know if devotion, but inspiring faith. You feel the confidence to imagine uh, when you are listening to the teacher, he's describing all this merit campus uh, ground. You feel very close, very, very close. And he, uh, it opens you, uh, he, you gain uh, with uh, confidence to feel that you can be really be winter, you can really be terrific. And he's like, I don't know, I know, it's a big mark. Perdón, español, si quiere, Eso te marca, te marca profundamente el, el contacto también cuando, cuando tú, bueno, cuando tú piensas en, en poco, en, en, yo no sé si eso realmente es devoción, pero esas experiencias te marcan y te ayudan a ganar confianza 
que te hace que tus experiencias sean como sanas, hermosas. Y cuando alguien es compasivo, tú sientes su compasión y esa compasión es puro, pura ganancia. Es, es un campo, un campo que se abona y se abona para siempre, no es solamente la presencia en el momento, es algo que va y nutre, nutre una base, una base que se nutre, una base que se nutre, y cuando tú recibes una instrucción, por ejemplo, con tú, tú, tú mismo, cuando tú piensas que tú quieres que tu mente no esté apegada a este objeto, otro, a que la mente ahora, en esta instrucción, es deja la mente libre, Perfecto. Voy Entonces, a, es, a partir de la devoción, eso te va sembrando, te va nutriendo algo, pero no sé si eso es devoción o eso es una fe inspiradora o no sé realmente. Yo creo que Gampopa tiene unas una, una sí. descripciones bastante precisas de eso, pero Gracias. que no recuerdo. So, y en este momento, cuando estaba, cuando estaba tratando de hacer esa, esa meditación, me vino el sentimiento de la fe inspiradora más que de la. So what Billy Lou just said, I'll try to repeat in English. Basically, she's not sure if it's devotion or inspiring faith, but it's an experience that impacts us profoundly. It helps to have the confidence that our experiences are wholesome. And when someone is compassionate and you feel that compassion, it's a win-win. It's all win. It's like a field that's fertilized deep down, not just right then, but it's a nourishment that continues. So when you receive an instruction, for example, not to be attached to something, and the instruction is let the mind be free, the devotion is nourishing the seed through that deep fertilization. And she's not sure whether to call that inspiring faith or devotion. She thinks Gampopa has some precise instructions on that. But when she was doing the meditative inquiry earlier, and that's what came to her. Billy Lou is describing the experience of devotion. What I'd like to do right now is to segue to one more experience and then maybe circle back to what Billy Lou just very kindly shared with us in this very beautiful way. This time, I just want to have it be a little more focused. Usually when we teach meditative inquiry, we'll do it this way. The first time is very open-ended, and then we'll try something a little more focused to give you a feeling of the difference in those two contexts. So just take a moment to take your meditation stance and maybe just let's take a few breaths of silent meditation. Meditative inquiry is both meditative and analytical in quality, resting and then analytical. So we do need to have a basis of resting practice and awareness practice such as shamatha or any other practice that we use as the basis. So let's pause for a moment and just follow the breath to connect with that basis and then I'll lead a very brief inquiry.
first just listen to these words and allow the experience that the word evokes to arise in you. The first word is reverence, reverencia in Spanish. In that space of the experience of reverence, add to it the experience that the word awe or wonder brings up. As that experience feels vivid, allow yourself to rest in that experience of reverence and wonder and awe. Returning to the inquiry, connect with any positive feelings, the goodness of those qualities that these words evoke. So words will evoke a particular experience in us. Just connect with what feels good with a sense of wonder or reverence and really take in that goodness. And out of the space of that goodness, be it 
openness or trust, confidence, whatever it is, add to all of those rich experiences, the experience that comes up for you from the term gratitude, personal affection, thankfulness. And when that feels very sharp, allow yourself to stop the inquiry and rest in that whole experience of reverence, wonder, awe, goodness, gratitude. Return for a moment to the inquiry that allows you to identify that combined experience of all those terms brought to life in your heart, reverence, wonder, connection, gratitude. And when that feels vivid again, rest for a time, and then we'll close the practice. Take in the richness, the nourishment, the goodness, and then we can slowly move out of that experience and discuss a little more before we end our session for the day. Did that feel different than the first time we did the meditative inquiry? 
And if so, how? I'm seeing Deborah say yes. How was that different than the first round? It was completely different. I don't quite know why. Can you explain the difference? Well, the first one, like I say, I think I explained it was really all over the place for me. And I don't have too much trouble and maybe it's a problem with identifying confusion and I don't mind it. It seems like, okay, that's confusion. So I don't find it as a problem. But this was um, profoundly moving. Those words that I thank you very much. I mean, that's going, I'm going to try to stay there today. I have a quiet day. And if I can just come back to that, I don't know what it was. You hit the words and I like words a lot too. So I'll just leave it there for somebody else. Maybe I don't know what to say. Oh, you, you just made my day, Nancy. Anybody else? Deborah. Okay, so those words just took me into my heart, and that's where devotion is. <laughs> Beautiful. The reason we do it that way when we're teaching meditative inquiry is it really teaches us the difference between meditative inquiry that has its context in the listening and contemplating the prajna or precise knowledge arising out of dharma when we just do it without any direction it's like all of you have said you're kind of flailing you're kind of not sure what to do and where to go you get some clarity about your sense of devotion but without some tracking the dharma it's helpful but it's very loosey-goosey <laughs> These words are ways of translating the parts of the Tibetan word for devotion. So the Tibetan word that's usually translated devotion, and I'm not entirely sure it's a very good translation, but it's what we've got, is mugu. So mepa plus gupa. Mepa is that quality of reverence, wonder, awe. Gupa is that quality of a personal connection and affection, gratitude. So you could say that what this is, is an affectionate awe, grateful reverence. And that's the word we slap the term devotion onto. Part of what this meditative inquiry will do over time is start to replace our confusion, our associations with other terms, with what's actually being pointed to in the Tibetan teachings, for example, when devotion is referred to, it's not referring to all of the cultural ideas that come to our mind from that word, because the Tibetan teachings are not arising out of that culture, <laughs> has nothing to do with that culture. It's arising out of a Buddhist heritage and an experience of practice with the difference that makes to hold reverence, wonder, awe, gratitude, personal connection, all of those things that you experienced yourselves in your hearts. And you can see how quickly, like that, the devotion's right there. I didn't hear anybody say, I'm not sure. I don't know if I should trust. Is this attachment? <laughs> I'm confused. This is what the listening and the contemplating do. It gives us an understanding of, oh, that's what's meant by the word devotion. I can start 
mapping that word to a different set of experiences based on what the teachings are actually pointing to. And now we have something in our hearts or an experience, very much like Nancy said, what can you say about it? It's in your heart and you experience it. You can't explain it, but you know what it is. You just experienced it. <laughs> you don't need to explain it. That's the beauty of meditative inquiry coming on the development of our understanding through listening and contemplating, there is structure, there's a shape, a container that keeps us from spinning off, that keeps us from excessive confusion. Some confusion is important and identifying confusion, as Nancy said, is very important because otherwise we can think we know and we're actually confused and we're misunderstanding. Also, as Deborah was saying, it answers questions that you didn't even know you were asking. That's just there you are in your heart. So I hope that each of you can take whatever experience those terms brought up for you and start to connect those experiences to the word devotion. When you hear the word devotion in teachings, in a sadhana, in a book, whatever it might be, that feeling you just had in your heart is what it's talking about. And very much like Billy Lou was saying, it's what makes that confidence, that trust, that openness happen naturally. You're not afraid. You're not worried. You're just right there with your heart. It feels true because it's part of our true nature. Thank you so much for trying this with us. So let's just take whatever goodness and merit has come from this listening, contemplating, and meditating, and share it with all beings so that we may all get to our Buddha nature, reveal it brilliantly, be in that place of warm, stable, heartfelt embodiment of devotion and presence that is our very nature. Thank you all so much for joining us. Join us on the full moon for our next full episode. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to like, follow, share, and review Prajna Sparks. It means a lot to us. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit.